Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of CityWalk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with CityWalk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search CityWalk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning. For the, actually, I think we're having technical difficulties online, so morning if you watch this later, because uh, you're probably not watching it right now. But uh, those of you that are here, we are so thankful that you're here today. We've got uh, a lot planned over this next few weeks. And before we dive into part four of our series, I wanted to uh, just remind you about a couple things. So if you didn't already know, and you do, but Easter's just a few weeks away. And so here at City Walk, just like every church, man, Easter's such an important day. And it's one of those days that, man, your neighbor, your brother-in-law, your son will come to church with you if you'll invite them. Uh, and, and also if you'll serve them a really good meal at the end of the, the morning, uh, they'll, they'll come with you. And so it's a great opportunity to invite that day. If you show up at 10 o'clock, you're either going to be really late for one service or really early for another service, because we're going to actually do two services that day, one at nine and one at 1045. And next Saturday, uh, one of the ways we want to help get the word out is next Saturday at uh, 10 o'clock, we're going to meet in this parking lot over in that side, and we're going to split up, and for about an hour, we're going to go just put some door hangers on doors around the neighborhoods closest to our church. And so, man, that's an awesome opportunity to just kind of be used by God to invite people that you may not know or will never meet. And so I'd encourage you, if you have about an hour next Saturday, Come spend some time with us. We're going to, like I said, meet here at the church at 10 o'clock, and then we'll go from there and just kind of split up and, and, and hang those door hangers for about an hour. And so good opportunity. I hope you'll join us next week. Uh, you, you probably know this if you've been around here for long. Uh, my wife, who's not here today because she's not feeling good, uh, she, she grew up in this area, and I grew up in Florida. And we met at a school in New York. And when, when, when I would tell people, and maybe you just thought that when I said New York, when I tell people, hey, we met at college in New York, almost automatically people start thinking big buildings, lights, bunches of people, except where we spent our college, there were more trees than there were people. It was, it was, there was maybe one stoplight in the town that we were in. It was very, it was three or four hours from New York City. And so it wasn't exactly like probably when I say, hey, we, we went to college in New York. It's probably not what you have in mind. And another thing that happened in upstate New York that this Florida boy was not used to was it was extremely, 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 and five more extremely cold. And when I say extremely cold, I'm talking about nights and mornings that were 20, 30 below zero. Where I grew up, they don't even sell clothes for that type of cold. And so, man, when I first got there, this was 
I mean, walking to class was like a, a huge chore for me because, man, I've never experienced walking outside of a building and literally my face, nose hairs, everything just freezing. And that's what would happen when it was cold. And it, it was that cold for, uh, you know, several days throughout our time there. But, but here's, what's ha- here's what happened. Over a few months of being extremely cold, something changed. And I found myself when it was 30, 40 degrees outside when, man, if if I would have been in Florida and it was 30 to 40 degrees, we were like huddled in the house, shutting the town down. But after being in upstate New York for a little while and experiencing 30 below zero, man, 30 felt pretty good. And and I found myself, after a few months of living in that climate, I would be walking around, it's 40 degrees, and have short sleeves, sometimes shorts on, because, man, I I had changed, because I had been put so far out of my comfort zone as far as climate, that, man, 30 to 40 degrees felt like, where is the beach at? Let's get going. It was totally different, because I had felt that extreme, and and, and I've had this happen in other areas of my life, and you probably have too. And, and here's what I mean. When, when we have been pushed out of our comfort zone, usually when we're pushed out of our comfort zone, we change and grow. We, whether we like it or not, when we're pushed out of our comfort zone, we find that we change and grow. You've experienced this. Maybe you're an athlete and you've been pushed out of your comfort zone, and because of that, you're a better athlete. Maybe you're at work, you've been pushed out of your comfort zone in some different areas and and had to do some things that were harder for you. And and because of that, you're a better employee, you're a better engineer, you're a better whatever you do. You've gotten better because you were pushed out of your comfort zone. Maybe it's even as a parent. Like when you first had your kids, you knew everything. You were ready to write a book. Because you knew everything that there was to know about parenting and then, until you didn't. And now you're maybe a little bit older and you've, you've been pushed out of your comfort zone quite a bit. And you're a better parent because of that. See, every one of us, we've experienced the results of stepping out of our comfort zone. And because we stepped out of our comfort zone, we experienced change and growth. In fact, if if you were to look back at your life, you would see that rarely, if ever, have you grown in your comfort zone. Rarely, if ever, will you take steps of growth when you're totally comfortable. It's just kind of the way life works. And, And over the last few weeks, we've begun to talk about this and really investigate this idea of growth as it relates to faith. And and we've said this, whether you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're somebody that's kind of investigating faith, you're not sure what you believe, we said this, that God wants our confidence in him to grow. God wants our faith in him to grow, no matter where you are as it relates to faith. God desires our confidence in him to grow. But this doesn't happen automatically. Just like growth in other areas doesn't just happen because we want to. It happens because there are certain elements that God uses. If you were to look at the story of someone who has a growing faith, you would see certain elements that God used to grow their faith. 
And we talked about some of those over the last few weeks. One of them was providential relationships. We talked about how God, if you have growing faith, you can probably point to a few relationships, a few people that God put into your life, kind of along your journey, that were catalysts to help you grow in your faith. You might have that person pictured in your mind right now. Providential relationships is one of those elements God uses to grow our faith. Another one we talked about was practical teaching. Teaching that is true, that is clear, that is helpful. God uses that element to grow our faith. Last week, we talked about private disciplines and how if you look at the story of anybody who has a robust, growing, courageous faith, you're going to see that God has used some private disciplines, maybe a discipline of prayer, a discipline of generosity, a discipline of spending time in God's Word. You're going to see that those disciplines, those habits, were an element that God used to grow people's faith. And maybe that's you. Maybe you could say, you could point to a relationship. You could point to a discipline. You could point to some teaching that God has used in your life to grow your faith. And, and this morning, what we want to do is we want to look at a fourth element that if you look at any story of growing faith, you're probably going to see this. And it's simply this, practical or personal ministry. And here's what I mean. If you look at the story of someone whose faith who is, has grown and is courageous and bold, and you're going to hear something like this. Hey, man, there was, there was this time where God just laid on my heart the homeless, or, or God laid on my heart youth ministry, or God laid on my heart serving or, or doing something. I just, I felt led inside to get involved, to get off the sidelines. And I didn't have the talent. I didn't know how it was going to work. It was out of my comfort zone, but I felt this angst inside. And so I stepped out of my comfort zone and I became a youth leader. I stepped out of my comfort zone and I started to serve the homeless. I stepped out of my comfort zone and I began to get involved in this area. And God used me getting getting involved to actually grow my faith. And that's a story that you've heard and some of you have experienced. And it's usually, in, when we get involved in this kind of stuff, we never feel qualified for it. That's what actually pushes us out of our comfort zone. But have you ever noticed, when you serve other people, you end up growing probably more than the people you're even serving. I remember as, you know, uh, when I was younger and, and just kind of getting involved at first, you know, teaching. Like when I would teach children or youth, it was like, man, I'm doing this to, to help them. But for me, the, the very act of stepping out of my comfort zone and, and teaching them, I actually grew more than probably they did. Because any story of growing faith, there's this element of personal ministry where you are pushed out of your comfort zone to serve someone or something bigger than you. And God uses your serving, your stepping out to grow your faith. There may be no better illustration of this in the Bible than Jesus' interaction with his disciples in Matthew chapter 14. And and even if you didn't grow up in church, these you probably have heard about this, this story and these miracles. It says this in, in Matthew chapter 14, 
verse 13, it says, when Jesus heard about it. So what did he just hear about? He, he had just heard about his cousin, John the Baptist, being killed. So Jesus has literally just got this news. And it says this, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. Like people wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to hear Jesus. They wanted to be near him. And so even when he would take time, I mean, he's just heard that like one of his best friends, his cousin has been killed. Man, this is a tough emotional time. Jesus tries to get away and spend time with his father, but people are constantly looking for Jesus. They're following him. They want to be around him. And it says this, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. This idea of compassion, Jesus in the midst of his own sorrow had tremendous sympathy for these people. He had compassion for these people and he served them because of this compassion and he taught them and he spent time with them and when we're talking about crowds we're talking about thousands upon thousands of people that were waiting at the shore for Jesus and it, it says this when evening came evening in, in the Jewish world there was kind of two times that they when they talked about evening it was either like three o'clock or it was sundown there was two times they referred to as evening and this is it's about three o'clock in the afternoon it says, when evening came, the disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. I mean, the disciples, are, they're starting to look at their watch. And, and, and you, you know how this is. Like when you're at work, it's getting to be about mid, late afternoon. You're starting to think about dinner. You're starting to think about relaxing. You're starting to think about what's, what, what you're going to watch on Netflix tonight. And you're kind of getting in the mode that like, hey, here within a couple hours, I'm clocking out. I'm going home. It's going to be a good night. I got everything lined up. For me, it's got my ginger ale. It's cold in the refrigerator. Got my favorite snacks. You know, the, my, the, the next Blue Bloods is ready to be watched. There's a little Chicago PD episode or two I haven't seen. And life is good. I'm ready to go. And this is, this is the boys. They're like, all right, Jesus, it's about that time, buddy. It's, it's pretty deserted out here, and it's getting about that time. We need to start, you know, getting these people out of here because I got to get home. The missus is waiting. And, and, and so, but Jesus, in the middle of kind of their daydream about the relaxation they're going to have, Jesus kind of blows it up. And what Jesus does is he asked them to do something that they didn't want to do and that was way beyond their ability to even do it. And so here's what Jesus says. They don't need to go away because the boys had just said, hey, it's time to get kind of start. Let's send the crowds away. They don't need to go away. Jesus told them, you give them something to eat. Jesus, have you counted the people? Are you, did you mean what you just said? Jesus, it's, it's getting to be about 3.30 now. 
Have you looked at the 15 to 20,000 people that are in front of us? The Bible mentions 5,000 men. If you add the children and women, there's 15 to 20,000 people. This is a large crowd. And, and so what the disciples do is they, they do what we do in this situation. Jesus, he asked them to step into something. And instead of stepping into something, they began to give him a list Hey, here's why we can't. Here's our limitations, kind of like what we do. Here's what the boys say. They say, but, but Jesus, we only have five loaves and two fish here, they said to him. So basically, Jesus, we have five dinner rolls and two little fish. This is like, this is like a small meal even for a poor person in this day and age. But, but here's the thing, when Jesus asks us to do something that is uncomfortable, or in this case, even impossible, it's an opportunity for us to grow in our confidence and our faith in him. And, and like the disciples, we, we make excuses. I don't know enough. I don't have enough experience. I'm not good at that. This would require too much sacrifice. But instead of Jesus telling the disciples or us, you're right. What was I thinking? You're, duh, there are 15 to 20,000 people and you do only have five little rolls and two fish. Forget what I said, send them home. Instead of him saying that, here's what he says. And it's the same thing that I think he says to us. Bring them here to me, he said. So, the, oh yeah, you're right, Peter, forget it. Just, just send everybody home. I, I get it, I forgot. We only have five rolls and two fish. Instead of, instead of saying that and, and giving in to their excuses, he says, hey, bring what you have to me. Bring it here. Bring what you have, not what you wished you had, not what you think you need. Just bring me what you have and be willing to do what you can. That's all I'm asking. Just bring it to me. And then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. And he took the, the five loaves. And, and, and these aren't loaves. These are like rolls and two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. See, Jesus took what the disciples had and he multiplied it to meet the need. And the result, verse 20 tells us, everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces. So, I mean, Jesus takes these five rolls and he takes these little fish, he multiplies them, and it says that they ate till they were satisfied. This isn't like, hey guys, everybody get a small snack to hold you over till dinner. Like, oh, I know it's been a long day, so hey, here's a little something just to kind of hold you over till you get where you're supposed to go tonight. This is, no, no, no. Everybody sit down and, hey, Jim, you want two more? We got you, man. And you just keep eating until you are completely satisfied. Everybody is full. And then, oh, by the way, at the end of this, we're going to pick up 12 baskets of leftovers which I don't know if Jesus meant this, but it probably, he probably did. There were 12 disciples, and so he probably wanted all of them to see, look what I can do with what you give, what you bring. 
It was awesome. It says, now those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Imagine, imagine what it must have been like to be one of those disciples. And I don't, I mean, if there's like Hulu or Netflix in heaven, I'm like, can I watch this episode? I want to see like what's happening behind the curtain, Jesus. How are you taking five rolls and two fish and feeding 15 to 20,000 people and then, then picking up way more than they even started with for leftovers? Like, like how do you do that? But, but these disciples, they, they were pushed out of their comfort zone and it created an opportunity for their faith, for their confidence to grow. And they were reminded of this statement, obedience, not Ability is the catalyst to a growing faith. Let me say that again. Obedience, not ability, not resources, is the catalyst to a growing faith. Jesus said, I know you don't have what you need. I know what you can't do what I've even asked you to do, but here, can you do this? Can you bring me what you have and can you be willing to use it for me, that's all I'm asking. And it says this in verse 22. Immediately, right after this is over, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. See, Jesus, he's, he's trying to help these guys grow in their confidence in him. He's, he's pushing them out of what is comfortable for them so that they can grow. And they've just went through class 101. But then Jesus says, we're about to go to class 201. So, so you just went to 101 and you, you saw me feed 15 to 20,000 people. And, and man, you're, you're, you're looking at things differently now and your, your heart's different now. But there's something else I want you to see tonight. And so he, he puts them in a boat and it says, after the dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from the land, and it was battered by the waves because the wind was against them. So Jesus is praying and kind of doing his thing, talking to God, and the boys are kind of on their way. This Sea of Galilee is eight miles wide at its widest, so this is a pretty big body of water. And so they're somewhere in the middle, and it's just not the, the, the quiet, calm, peaceful boat ride that they were hoping for. After a long day, man, they were probably hoping, hey, let's get on the boat and let's get kind of get moving and just, just take a calm ride to the other side. It's just not going that way, not that well for them. It's not what they had hoped for. And about three o'clock in the morning, so well into the night, something happens. It says this in verse 25, Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. So they're dog tired. It's been a long day. They've just fed 15 to 20,000 people. They emotionally spent because they've seen Jesus do something crazy. And they're, they're in the middle of the, the Sea of Galilee, and the boat is just not going well. And then all of a sudden, they look out, and they see something walking towards them on the water. 
And, and it says, I mean, this is how you know the Bible is true because they wrote themselves in as morons. Like, like if, 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 they, if, they, if this stuff wasn't true, they would have wrote themselves in as heroes, but they don't. They write themselves in as like, we were scared to death. We were terrified. We thought we saw a ghost. I mean, this is what's happening to them. It's like, are we delirious? I know it's like three in the morning, but what is walking towards us on the water? And, and it says this, immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I, don't be afraid. And now the person walking towards them is talking to them, but it's a familiar voice. Have courage, don't be afraid. And so here's Peter. He's, he's sitting there and he's, he's woken up now. And, and Peter says this, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Peter's like, man, you know what? I've seen you do the impossible. I've seen you take my inadequacies and use them in staggering ways. Jesus, if this is you, I'm willing. If this is you, I'm available. If this is you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus said, he said, come, come. Bring me your fear, Peter. Bring me your inability. Bring me your five dinner rolls and two fish. I want to do something special that will grow your faith. And then this very next phrase, you probably, if you've read this before, you probably overlooked this, but this very next phrase is so important. And climbing out of the boat. Jesus, I don't know how to walk on the water. Never really done that before. But I know how to get out of a boat. So I'll do what I know how to do. I'll get out of the boat. That's what I know how to do. That's what you've given me the ability to do. And you're going to have to do the rest. It says he climbed out of the boat. Peter did what he knew to do. I can get out of a boat. I, 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 I can bring you five rolls and two fish. I, I can't feed 15,000. I can't feed 20. I can't even feed 1,000. But I, I can bring you the rolls and the fish. And I can, I can get out of the boat. I, I can do that. And so he gets out of the boat, and the, and the scripture says this, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. See, Peter began to take his eyes off Jesus and focus more on the obstacles and more on his inability. And he began to sink. And he cried for help. And here's what Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't get mad at Peter. Say, you know what? I'm going to let him take in some water for a few minutes, and then I'll help him. But because he doubted me, I'm just going to let him kind of sink for a while and really scare him. No, Jesus didn't do that. The scripture says this, immediately. Jesus reached out his hand. He caught hold of him and said to him, Man, you have little faith. Dude, I got you. Why'd you doubt? You, you don't need to doubt. 
You're you, faith, man. You, you got out of the boat. You were doing good. And then you started to look at the obstacles and you, you forgot that you're not really supposed to be walking on water. And you started to doubt, man. And we usually, we throw shade at Peter for this. But at the end of the day, there were at least 10 other guys in the boat that didn't even get out of the boat. And Peter was the only one that we know of that was willing to get out of the boat. And yeah, he, he took in, I mean, he started to sink, but Jesus immediately grabbed him. When they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Of course it did, because that's what Jesus does. Like, oh, guys, chill. Here's your ginger ale. Here's your coffee. Let's, here's your peaceful night you were hoping for. I just had to, you had to go to 201 before you could have this peaceful time. And it says this, and this is such, an, such a cool, cool thought. When they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly you are the son of God. See, we we heard you talk about being the son of God. and, And honestly, we suspected that what you were saying was true. But now, now, now we, we know We've seen it with our own eyes. We, we no longer just suspect it or we, don't, we no longer think, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Like we know you are the son of God. And, and what's interesting in our own lives, whether you're somebody that's been following Jesus for a long time or whether you're somebody that's kind of new to this thing or even investigating, God many times uses when we get out of our comfort zone to become much more personal to us. When we are willing to take a step out of our comfort zone, many times those are the moments when Jesus becomes more than intellectual, he becomes personal. Unfortunately, we have churches full of people that know a lot about Jesus, and they suspect that what they know is true, but because they've literally never stepped out of their comfort zone, and seeing God work, their faith is stagnant, and it's never become personal. It's just, I've heard the story. It's just, yeah, I know that information, but because they've never stepped out of their comfort zone, they've never grown in their faith. He's never become their personal Jesus. He's become this person I've heard about because they're unwilling to step out of their comfort zone. And God grows our faith when we are willing to step away from what's comfortable. Honestly, that's the story of this church. I guarantee that if if God is growing your faith here, it's because you and I are benefiting from some people that were willing to get out of the boat. There was a small group that felt there was a need for a different kind of church in this area. And some of them moved from across the country. Many of them gave finances. Many, many, many people served with joy. And they, they stepped out of the boat. And God used it to, to help create a church, but God also used it to grow their faith. If your students or children are benefiting from what's happening in our next-gen ministry, it's because there's a group of bridge builders that really believe that Jesus is worth everything, and they want children to know that too. They want teenagers to know that God's best is what's good for them. And so they willingly step out of the boat on a regular basis. They go out of their comfort zone. 
to invest in the next generation. If you've ever experienced community in a small group here at City Walk Church, it's because there's a group of leaders that say, you know what? We're willing to step out of our comfort zone. We're willing to go to training. We're willing to open up our home. We're willing to be vulnerable so that God can use that to minister to other people. This past summer, there was a group of people, many of you, that said, you know what? We love and believe in the children in this community. So we're going to step out of the boat and we're going to put on a first class sports camp for kids in this city that need to know how special they are to us and how special they are to Jesus. So we're going to get out of the boat. See, these these people that I I mentioned, and, and you are many of them, These aren't people with like a special faith. These aren't people that have taken a certain pill. These are just people that say, you know what? I'm available. Jesus, here's what I have, and I'm willing to do what I can do, and you do the rest. And he has. See, here's the question. And I want you to think about this question for you. Would you be willing to do what you know And allow God to do what you can't. As you think about your own faith. And and how God seems to use. And in stories of growing faith. He seems to use people that are willing to say. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. I don't have a lot to offer. Not the smartest person in the room. Don't have the most resources. But what I have. Here's my five loaves. Here's my two fish. I'm willing to bring them to you. I'm willing to step out of the boat. I can't walk on water. But I can get out of the boat, Jesus. And I'd be willing to get out of the boat. See, doing what you know means linking up with God's kingdom activity where you are. And so one is, man, serving the church. And I always say this to people when I talk about this. It's, man, if, if this church isn't a church that you buy into the mission and the vision and, and it's not a, something exciting to serve in, I'll, I'll give you the name of several other churches in the area. You need to find a church that you can say, you know what? I'm going to use what I have to, to link up with God's activity, knowing that as I do that, I'm, yeah, I'm going to help other people, but it's actually, God's actually going to use it to grow my faith. On your way out today, we're going to hand everybody this little brochure. And and man, I'm going to encourage you to pray about, man, is there an area that I could use my five loaves and two fish to serve in this church? And at the end of the day, and I'll say it sounds kind of bad, but we don't need you to serve. Like, you don't have to. It's, this place isn't shutting down if you don't sign up for something. Not at all. There's a ton of people that go and give and sacrifice all the time. But, but here's what I am saying. If you do serve, your faith will never be the same. You, you start to minister to the next generation and you see someone follow Jesus. You, you start to be a part of a team. You start to get around other people that are serving and sacrificing for something bigger than themselves. Stuff happens in your heart when you do that. It, it's just hard to explain. So, so serve, in the, serve in the city because it's, it's God's plan A that we not be relegated to a building. 
Man, if, if there's something in your heart, there's a tension in your heart about an area in our city that, man, you're like, oh, I just wish that wasn't that way, or that somebody's got to do something, God might be inviting you to grow your own faith by taking a step to serve, to be part of the answer to your own prayer request. And I know it's scary, but isn't that kind of the point? It's in circumstances where we feel a little bit overwhelmed, where we feel underqualified, where we aren't, aren't, don't have all the answers. It's in those circumstances that God's saying, hey, just get out of the boat. Come on, just do. I know you can't walk on water. I, I didn't give you that ability. Just, just get out of the boat and I will do the rest. But you got to get out of the boat. And it's, the truth is it's an invitation for you to do what you know you can do and trust God with what you could never do. And it's in that moment that your faith interacts with his faithfulness and you grow. Your faith grows. And I don't know about you, but for me, many times, I want all the answers. I want to know the plan. I want to know how it's going to work. I want to know how we're going to pay for it. I want all the answers. But here's one of the truths we got to think about. God will begin to empower you and clarify for you in the midst of obedience, never beforehand. And I hate that sometimes. Don't you? It's like, God, if you could just lay the whole plan out, tell me how this is going to affect my life, my wallet, all of the above beforehand, I might get out of the boat. But God doesn't work like that. It's in the midst of obedience that he brings clarity. And it's not before. Maybe he does it before for you, but he doesn't for me. See, God operates on a need-to-have basis. He won't give you what you need until you need it. Peter, I'm not going to tell you how you're going to walk on the water. You absolutely might sink. You might get out of the boat, and we might like, make a video of you and put it on like, win America's Funniest Video because we're going to watch you get out of the boat and just sink. Yeah, it might happen, Peter, but you've got to get out of the boat to find out. And we know the story. So just do what you know to do, and you'll have what you need to do. And so here, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is this. Do we really want to spend our life running from the very things God wants to use to grow our faith profoundly? Some of the things that we're afraid of, some of the comfort zones that we're, we don't want to step out of, God's like, man, if you would stop running from those things... Those are actually the, the, the things I want to use to grow your confidence in me, to grow your faith. But we got to step out. And so as we close, that question that I've already asked, would you be willing to do what you know you can do and then trust God with what you can never do? And for everyone, that's different. For the disciples that day, it meant, well, I got five loaves and I got two fish. It doesn't seem like much, Jesus, but here you go. I'll do what you tell me to do. Here's, here's, my, here's the lunch. For, for Peter, it was, you know what? I, I know how to climb over the side of this boat. 
That's about it. That's all I know how to do, but I, I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to trust you. And, and, and when Peter got back into that boat, because his step of faith, Peter became a man of courageous faith. And he messed up sometimes, but Peter was such, had such an impact on the early church. And part of that impact was started on, in those times when he was willing to say, I'm not sure, I'm kind of scared, but I'm going to step out of the boat. And he saw Jesus come through, and his faith grew. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this story, these stories in the scriptures. And Lord, these are stories that we've heard. For some of us, we've heard for a long time. And we hear them, and it's, oh yeah, it's the feeding of the 5,000. It's the walking on water story. Yeah, we've heard those before. But God, you put those stories in there of real things that happened, not just so that we could have a cool story to tell our kids, but because you wanted us to see how you helped your disciples grow in their faith. And Lord, we're, we're probably not going to ever be asked to use five loaves and two fish to feed a big crowd, but you are asking us to do the same thing you asked the disciples to do, and it's simply this, just Bring me what you have and be willing to do what you can and I'll do the rest. Maybe you're here and in your life you've, you've already made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe that was a recent decision. Maybe you've been following Jesus for decades. Would you be willing to just pray and ask God, God, is there an area that you want me to step out of the boat in. Maybe it is ser serving at church. Maybe it's something in our city. Maybe it's something for your family. Maybe it's, it's an area that you've been a little bit afraid of. It's an area that you've maybe uh, not, not tried to be even around because you, you've kind of avoided it. But you know that, that the Holy Spirit is pushing you to take a step. And... and that step is an invitation for you to grow your faith. That's what God wants to do with it. He wants to see that you trust Him. He wants to see that you obey Him and that you bring what you have to Him. And then He takes it and multiplies it and He grows your faith in the middle of it. Would you be willing? Instead of just hearing the story, are you ready to be part of it? Like we can sit on the sidelines and hear about God growing other people's faith and God moving in their life and them stepping out of their comfort zone and we can admire that from a distance or we can be part of that story. Would you just write, maybe right now, just, God, I don't, I don't really know what you're telling me to do yet. Maybe you do. Maybe there's something real clear. But what you would say to God is, God, I'm willing to bring what I have and I'm willing to do what I can. I'm willing to get out of the boat. Just show me. Maybe you're here and you're somebody that's, man, don't, you don't have a relationship with God yet. And, and man, for you, this, the first step is for you to get out of the boat in the area of just faith in Jesus. And for you, it's just saying, you know what, Jesus, I've, I've heard about you. I've I've read about you. I've seen you work in other people's lives. And I'm, 
I'm ready to, to follow you personally. You say, Chris, how would I do that? That's a big step. It is. How would I do that? Well, it's just, just between you and God. You can just, in the quietness of your heart, just tell God, God, I admit to you that I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I've tried to do things my own way. Just tell him. Then just tell him, God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me to pay for my sin. Just tell him. And then just invite him. Just, God, come into my life. Transform me. I want to follow you. Just tell him. If you're here this morning and you made that decision, you can, man, we'd love to rejoice with you. You can just take the, the card in front of you, the decision card, and fill that out and then drop it in the offering box. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a card there. Maybe you're here and, and you're a follower of Jesus and you feel led, man. You just, you know you need to step out of the boat and you, you want somebody to pray for you. Well, you fill out that prayer card that's right in front of you and just drop that in the in the offering box on your way out. Just, hey, here's what, I need somebody to pray for me about this thing and we will commit to pray for you. Jesus, I'm so thankful that people before me were willing to step out of the boat so that I could know about you so that my family could know about you. And God, I pray that you would use this gathering to be a gathering that doesn't stay in the boat, but faithfully and courageously brings you our five loaves and two fish and says, I'm, I'm available. I'm willing to be used. I want to be part of the story. I don't want to just hear about the story. Jesus, thank you for your work today. Amen.